As you're speaking, Valeria, I'm just thinking like it's maybe taking people from this space where if we think about substance use, if we think about depression and anxiety mm-hmm. and trauma, there's a lot of numbing mm-hmm. and there's mm-hmm. a lot of disconnect. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of I'm detaching from parts of myself. Mm-hmm. I have to numb parts or feelings because it's too overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And it's like it seems like the psychedelics somehow helps you to digest mm-hmm. those parts mm-hmm. and and it becomes a part of you that's more that you can connect with and that you can mm-hmm. um attach to again mm-hmm. and kind of integrate as okay hi you're a part of me you can you, I, I can sit with you again. yes yeah 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 we can you're not as scary as i thought you were mm-hmm. you're actually useful to me and part of my growth part of my journey um, but also just realizing, like I said earlier, some stuff you've just been carrying and you need to put down. Mm. And I think we underestimate just how difficult it is to surrender, to let go. It takes a kind of strength to unclench your fist from something that feels heavy, I want to say. Um, and I think this the same way of saying the same thing, that psychedelics allow you to lift the thing that makes it scary so that you can really see the experience or the trauma or whatever for what it was Mm. um, in a way that feels safe to take in yeah Mm. welcome back to another episode of inside your head i want to again just thank everyone who's been downloading our episodes listening and sharing some of your thoughts and love and feedback with us it's really really appreciated and it really excites me so much to know that this podcast is something that can grow and that people are finding useful and beneficial i'm super excited for this chat today with Baledi Gladi. Baledi is a counseling psychologist and we're going to have a discussion about psychedelics psychedelics is one of the new words that's out there that we're hearing a lot it's something that there's new documentaries on um there's a lot of talk about this new um somewhat taboo topic um that people have not necessarily discussed in the past um and so we really want to just have a chat today to share some information Baledi is a psychologist who's involved in so many different ventures she's a mental health community builder who found her own nonprofit organization, the Green Bag Project, in 2019. She's also a psychologist in private practice offering psychotherapy. She's a lecturer and she's also a social entrepreneur where she's co founded Ray Basadi with her fellow black female counseling psychologists. She really does it all. Above that, Buledi is really someone who's very interested in the holistic functioning of individuals and she spends a lot of time educating herself on alternative methods of healing. I want to just also put a disclaimer on the episode for today that we are by no means promoting the use of psychedelics, we're not prescribing um, the use of psychedelics, we are merely just having a conversation and sharing some information on research that's out there, people's experiences, and um, just really having a discussion about how psychedelics and our mental health um, work and and kind of how the one will impact the other um, and just giving some food for thought. 
So um, I hope that you enjoy this. I hope that it can be um, a very thought-provoking discussion for you. I've really been so excited for this discussion and so I hope that you also look forward to it. If you want to know more about Beledi or Psych Central and the services that we offer, you're welcome to have a look at our website, psychcentral.co.za. You can also follow us on your preferred social media platform where our handle for um, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and YouTube is Psych Central South Africa. I'm really, really excited about this, as you know. I think that it's it's so beneficial. It's mm-hmm. so important for people to yeah. just start thinking in different ways about our mental health. And mm-hmm. so I'm hoping that dis- this discussion today is going to mm-hmm. be able to give that to people, that they have just some um, food for thought, really. Yeah. That's what, what today is about. So thanks for taking the time and for making yourself available and, mm-hmm. and just discussing these things with me. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Um, obviously, Keen, <laughs> I think you know that I'm always quite um, forthcoming <laughs> yeah. with this topic because um, it's fascinating in and of itself. And I think people are already, not everyone, but there are quite a few people already kind of out there playing, experimenting. Um, And I think it helps for people to also know that um, these can be helpful substances and that they can be supportive towards their healing um, and not just for play, even Mm. though they can be recreational. (laughs) So let's start maybe with that. (laughs) Where does your interest in psychedelics come from? It's always been personal for sure. Um, It's funny because when I was thinking about this question, I remembered that in my very first year of varsity, um, I would spend my lunch break in the library researching the effects of marijuana, which is not in and of itself a psychedelic, but I was so interested in like, why is it illegal? But there's so many people kind of smoking it. (laughs) And is it as bad as it seems? And it's not really until I kind of dabbled myself before I realized, oh, you can actually use this to ease into your emotions without that feeling of resistance. Um, It's easier to kind of sit with your stuff when your mind is not continually shouting at you about how bad this is or whatever the judgment is around that. Um, And I think as I grew, my interest matured with me and I got obviously curious about what else is out there. Um, And you learn in obviously undergrad psychology about like addictive substances and things like that. And in one of my textbooks, there was a kind of scale that um, spoke about the addictiveness of substances. And um, it kind of went from like all the amphetamines, cocaine, all of that stuff. And then under non-addictive substances, marijuana was like number one on the top. And then afterwards, it was like mushrooms and LSD. And I'd always known those to be like... You don't play with these. <laughs> yes. These are bad, bad no-nos. Um, but it was so intriguing to me that these, on a scale of addictive substances, are basically right at the bottom. They're like, they were less addictive than cigarettes on that scale. Uh, yes. And I thought that was like, oh, wait, but mm-hmm. you can walk into the shop and buy a pack of cigarettes, no problem. Um, and I'd say that definitely as I grew, I kind of 
research more, look more. Um, I never really tried any of the more, I want to say, stronger psychedelics mm. until way later. Um, and definitely out of my parents' house. <laughs> when Just I knew, a disclaimer. Yeah. <laughs> when I knew that, okay, I can kind of um, handle myself a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I think my interest in psychology and psychedelics have always been quite parallel with each other. Um, yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay, but so on that note, mm -hmm. maybe just let's just chat about what psychedelics are. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm very curious mm -hmm. to hear what your, your, your thoughts are in terms of mental mm -hmm. health and how people can use it and mm -hmm. what research says about it. Mm -hmm. But I think that because it's such a... I want to say a bit of a new topic mm. that that's been taboo for so long. Mm -hmm. I I really think it's important that people understand exactly what it is that we're talking about. So, yeah. what is psychedelics? Is it just shrooms? Mm -hmm. What does it entail? Mm -hmm. Um, just give me a bit of a understanding of background. Yeah. So psychedelics are hallucinogenic substances, um, and that means that they're substances that can either be natural, as in found in nature, or lab made. Um, that affect your mood, your cognitive processing, and just your whole sensory perception experience. So when you take in a psychedelic, it changes how you see, how you feel, how you hear music. Everything becomes much more magnified. You feel much more connected. Um, and it, it, it really kind of inspires the the creative in you because everything just feels so connected, so emotional, so beautiful, so pretty, depending on, uh, well, most psychedelics kind of give you that effect of um, just deepening into your senses and um, in a way that is open, pleasurable, um, emotional for sure. Um, I'm forgetting what I wanted to say. Oh, and... Um, I want to say that uh, they're not, like we said, none of them are addictive, um, but they really, I suppose, with regards to mental health, allow you to kind of go where words can't take you. Mm. So a lot of people, um, when they have a psychedelic experience, um, often talk about it like almost a kind of spiritual connectedness to something divine i don't want to say something maybe something greater something out there but something that just feels so rich so connected um and so loving in its sense feeling that um that uh, that's what attracts a lot of people to psychedelics yeah why is that though because so i've i've watched a lot of um youtube videos mm -hmm. discussions that different people have mm -hmm. i think especially in America, it's something that's become very prevalent. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of um, people who are life coaches mm -hmm. or like just spiritual mm -hmm. um, teachers mm -hmm. in a way that, that will talk about psychedelics. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people will say that it's this connection mm -hmm. with yourself and this deepening and just mm -hmm. connecting with feelings mm -hmm. and sitting with it. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I know obviously we're not scientists mm -hmm. um, like – and, and focusing on that exclusively, but yeah. obviously you know a lot about psychedelics. Mm -hmm. So what is, uh, why does that happen? What, what happens yeah. in your brain? Hmm. So I'm definitely not 
like a neuro person yeah, of course yes. for sure but i can maybe walk you through the experience um it, it, it really kind of lowers your inhibition your your ego defenses mm. melt away um and that's what makes it so easy to kind of get into the spaces that your ego would usually kind of stop you from getting into because it's perceiving it as too painful or um too challenging to kind of get into or something that you'd get into and never be able to really come out of. Um, and so the very first thing that psychedelics do is kind of melt away that kind of ego persona that you have and allow you to just be with what is. Um, shrooms in particular, and, and just to kind of mention, when we're talking about psychedelics, we're talking about mushrooms, we're talking about LSD, which mimics mushrooms, but it's more lab made, for example. I know a lot of people also um, like DMT, mm. which is a much shorter high, but a much more intense high. I've heard it feels like you're dying. <laughs> yeah. And then like literally it's been a few. It's like five minutes. Yes. But you feel like it's a whole lifetime of just intense sensory um, experience. And what that really does is Obviously, once you melt away that kind of ego defense, you sink right into the subconscious. And so all of that experience that you're having, the, the melting of sound and feeling, the, the melding of all your senses, is you kind of now, um, you're in the basement of your brain. You're in your subconscious and you're really able to kind of, okay, what's around here? Um, but also in a very feeling sense kind of way. So not just kind of reflecting and looking, but I don't know if you've ever had the experience of like feeling so involved in a movie. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that you're kind of just taken with it. Mm. It's like that. It's, it's, it's as if you kind of get into the movie of your mind um, and you're living it. You're the character, you're moving through it. You're allowing it to move through you. Um, for some people that can obviously be very intense, right? If if you've never really met your emotional self in that way, in any part, um, it can feel quite intense. And, and sometimes that's what people describe as a bad trip, mm -hmm. which is that you, you came face to face with intense emotions that you weren't even prepared for. You didn't even know that you could get to that level. Um, but um, it's always, I think, the ability to kind of come back and reflect and integrate that experience into your conscious mind. Mm. <laughs> that um, That is, I think, the key part when we start talking about how do psychedelics support your healing and mental health journey. Um, they bring up all the feelings and images that, you've been struggling to access and allow them to be available to be worked with in a way that doesn't feel as threatening as before you had encountered them. On that note, Belady, I'm, I'm wondering though, because I, I think I've heard, as you said, a lot of people say that they've had a bad trip. Mm -hmm. And I guess there's a, a big difference between taking this for like an emotional experience mm -hmm. and, and having a psychedelic trip where it's mm -hmm. about you connecting with mm -hmm. emotions and mm -hmm. yourself and it's for your mental health versus I'm just doing this for the fun mm -hmm. of it mm -hmm. and I'm expecting like I'm with friends and mm -hmm. we're, we're like just taking shrooms and now or LSD or whatever and now I have a bad trip because yeah. there's the, the expectation would mm -hmm. be very different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
what what are things that you think is important for people to keep in mind? Yeah. Um, like environment wise, yeah, yeah, when they yeah. think of taking a psychedelic. Yeah. So, uh, and I think that's a really important question because you can really create a bad trip where there doesn't need to be. Um, but I, so psychedelic, what do they call them? Psychedelic assisted therapists who work with psychedelics, I want to say, um, always kind of emphasize two things, set and setting. Set as in what is your mindset going into it? Um, it's always kind of emphasized that you need to set an intention. What are you doing the shrooms for what do you want to work through what do you want to be shown when you go into that experience um of course that doesn't relate to it's not about controlling the experience because once the psychedelics are in you they will bring up whatever's there like once you've ingested them you're on the ride (laughs) until (laughs) the end i want to say um but it really helps you kind of ground yourself almost when you go in with an intention of this is what I'm hoping to discover about myself this is what I'm hoping to see this is what I'm hoping to learn this is a problem I've been stuck on and I just can't get past my own defenses with it and maybe I've been working out in therapy and it's just not sinking in um, and this is where I want to go That also helps for when you kind of come out of the psychedelic experience because you can start to kind of work with whatever imagery and sensory came up for you to reconcile that intention that you had. The second thing that's pretty important is setting, which is, of course, environment. Psychedelics are not the kind of thing you want to do in a club where it's like it's like <laughs> blasting music. <laughs> Already psychedelic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, people you don't know, things like that. You want, and, and this is probably the most important thing for having a good trip, is you want to feel safe. It's that safety in the environment that really allows you to meet all parts of yourself that come up um, in a way that feels enlightening, in a way that feels beautiful, in a way that feels emotional. Um, and it's because all of your senses are like opened up and volumed to like level 10 that you want to have an, an environment that is calm, um, inviting, resourced. And when I say resourced, I mean, if you like music, have your music near you. If you want food, make sure your food is like where you are. You don't really want to travel and things like that um, for the sake of just kind of allowing the full experience to happen, but also safety things. You really don't want to be driving when you're having all kinds of um, hallucinations and whatnot. There is, and maybe this is important to mention, that there is a possibility that you'll see and hear things that aren't literally there in the physical in our projection of your mind. Um, And I think it's important to know that so that if that does happen, you don't freak out too much and you can understand that that's a part of yourself that um, is being shown to you in a much more visceral way because your senses are so heightened. Um, One thing that I don't know that um, this is common, but it's something I've found quite helpful. I don't know if you've watched um, Inception. Yes. But and, and everyone has their little, what do they call that thing again? That thing that helps you know that you're in reality. Yes. Your little totem or whatever. Yes. Um, I've found that that can be really helpful in terms of 
keep it to yourself, know what it is, um, have it in your pocket or something. And if you feel like you're going somewhere you're not ready for, um, it's always good to kind of feel that tangible thing mm. in your hand that kind of brings you back and grounds you and lets you know that um, you're not kind of lost in this psychedelic abyss. abyss and you don't know how to get out, that it's passing, that you're still in touch with reality. Um, and always, of course, um, there are ways to kind of turn a trip around. Um, like I say, when people think that they're having a bad trip in that it's not a pleasant experience, it's because they've encountered emotions that they had absolutely no idea were there and they're not fully ready for that. Um, and music can be a really powerful way to bring you back into a pleasant high, I want to mm. say. Um, so make sure you have a playlist ready that just has feel-good music because that'll immediately kind of flip your mood because you're so moved by even the vibrations and the detail of the music. Um, yeah, so set mindset and setting environment um, are pretty important. And then, of course, the last one is integration. And that can happen just, say, a, the day after. It's always good, I think, to kind of, if you're doing this in the privacy of your own home, for example, you want to set two days aside one for the actual day of the high to kind of allow yourself the space to know that you have the whole day and you can allow that full body experience to happen. But you want the second day to recover, to really sit with yourself, to really reflect. In psychedelic assisted therapy, that looks like two or three therapy sessions where you sit with your psychologist to kind of figure out what do these images mean to me? What did I discover that I was struggling to see? Some people who haven't done like inner child work are often like just shot back to their childhood selves in a way that they feel like that in their body. Um, and that helps them resolve a lot of stuff that maybe their child mind was too young to be able to process. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. But so uh, it, uh, the, the one thing um that that I've read about it, and I, I guess that that's the part that people need to understand is, it's not necessarily a quick fix, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it's really about the curiosity mm -hmm. and the understanding or the unfolding of parts of yourself mm -hmm. that you you're not necessarily connected with. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason I say that is, or why I'm having that thought is, the one thing that I've read is that there's a lot of research that's done on people's experiences. Mm -hmm. But a lot of research is is saying it's not an while there's there's no indication to predict how sustainable that change will be, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so people go through basically like years of therapy mm -hmm, within mm -hmm. that one experience, mm -hmm. and then feel like well okay so now I'm fixed and mm -hmm. now this is now this is done and it's over, yeah. and I don't have to go back to those parts of myself, and that kind of leads to it not necessarily being a sustainable change or difference that people experience because it is still something that you need to continue to reflect on and mm -hmm. go back to. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that that's maybe just my thoughts on the dangers mm -hmm. in terms of people putting so much emphasis on this is going to be mm -hmm. the be all and end all mm -hmm. one, one sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, What's your thoughts on how people integrate that with their lives and how it continues to be something that you 
reflect yeah. on. Yeah. Look, so I think you always have to take the research in a kind of um, context-based that it's yes. in. Um, and and it's, I think it's quite easy to find research that says, and, and I don't doubt that it's true, but I think everybody's different. You know, there's been a lot of research kind of dating back to the 60s around um, psychedelia and specifically um, psychedelics within the work of mental health, within the work of um, uh, what I want to say, um, treating substance abuse, treating um, depression and anxiety. And it's always, it's always even back then in the 60s before before the whole war against drugs and shutting that down and all of that. Um, it's always been a process, right? It's always been you have to prepare for the moment of the high, the trip, the experience. You also have to come back and reflect on what you've gone through for it to work for you in, in a way that is sustainable. Um, and that's to say that, yeah, like I think you're saying, it's not a you take it and uh, you will feel better. You definitely will. I mean, uh, some of the work is just about releasing stuff that mm. you've been holding on for too long and uh, the experience helps you kind of just feel lighter and stuff like that. Um, but it doesn't take away, I want to say, the place of therapy, for example, the place of kind of coming back to a place to reflect with yourself because you also can't be high every time <laughs> you want to sort something out, you know. You have to be able to, at least on one level, be able to do some of that work in a conscious way for it to really root, for you to be able to know that this is how I care for myself as a person um, without reliance on anything else. Um, so it's really not a I'm fixed for life type of mm. thing. It might take away some of the more stronger symptoms, but it does require always kind of reflecting on yourself. What does this mean about how I see the world differently? What does this mean about what I'm going to do differently? Um, the shrooms can give you insight, but I think we all know that insight doesn't necessarily always relate to action, right? And it's the action part that's... that's um, that's what you need to work on, you know. Um, you can get all the insight in the world, but mm. if you see something and do nothing about it, well, all you're going to keep doing is like taking shrooms and then you're that guy. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> do you know mm. what I mean? You have the aim is always to use them for self improvement. Yeah, they can be recreational, and maybe once in a while you want to use it just for fun and feeling a different kind of experience of the reality around you or a kind of, I want to say, refreshing your life experience because I think they're really good at that. But if you're taking the shrooms and still walking into toxic situations, not following through on the things you say you're going to do, not showing up for yourself, um, well, then they, at best, they take away some bad feelings for a while, but it's so easy to get yourself back into that kind of situation anyways. Yeah, I, I, I guess it's, as you're saying, it's about, well, if it's just a short-lived thing that you're not necessarily integrating into your life, then you're going to create new situations mm -hmm. that's just going to bring new feelings mm -hmm. that's going to feel very similar mm -hmm. um, or just reinforce the old feelings. Mm -hmm. and, and obviously, that's not what we want to do. Yeah. Um, you mentioned now anxiety and depression, mm -hmm. Valeri. What, 
what mental illnesses mm-hmm. um, have been treated with psychedelics, maybe in, in other countries. Yeah. Obviously, I think it's just important that we there's there's yeah. it's not necessarily a line of treatment yet in South Africa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although I think that there's a lot of movement towards it, mm-hmm. but in other countries, what do people get treated with mm-hmm. psychedelics? Mm-hmm. I'd say some of the biggest. Um, let me say the top. Maybe they all. <laughs> um, so definitely substance abuse has been a big one, um, which for me was kind of shocking because. Yes, you- <laughs> I'm also kind of surprised that that's the first thing that you say. Yeah, substance abuse was, it, it, and that's also what I came across when I first started doing research into psychedelics and mental health was that um in the 60s, 70s, prior to that kind of research and work being shut down, um, substance abuse was one of the things that, uh, and, and particularly people who struggled with lifelong substance abuse um, that may have been sparked by trauma and things like that. Of course, trauma was one of them as well. And then anxiety and depression, just your basic yes. entry-level mental illnesses. Um, and all of them, what I found quite interesting, which might sound slightly contradictory to what we just kind of said is that with the substance abuse ones, I found it interesting that it was people who struggled with lifelong substance abuse and then they'd have like one session. Obviously, like uh, with the process that we said, kind of prepping for the session, having the high experience and then coming back to integrate. And after that kind of eight session period, that which is kind of the average number of sessions that you have with psychedelic assisted therapy they just never look back that's Um, amazing yeah um of course i think part of that is like the whole therapeutic process did something to solidify that experience um and like we're saying it's not just a have the experience and then walk off and whatever. Mm. It's about coming back and integrating what came up for you in that experience that starts to solidify, at least on your conscious mind, that, okay, this is what I saw, this is what I experienced, this is what it means for how I need to move forward. And then, um, and then of course, they started kind of getting more curious and always the vets, the war veterans are like... They're just <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Shame. Shame. It's bad because slightly being used as guinea pigs but Mm -hmm. in this case it worked out pretty well because it was again kind of um, war veterans who struggled to integrate the traumatic experiences of being at Mm. war and um, had gone for however long just struggling to to put themselves back you know um and having kind of participated in uh, research around psychedelics and healing, also found themselves like after a few sessions or so, able to kind of lead a normal life again and feel like a whole human being and and not someone so fractured. Um, And I think that's quite interesting because, so mushrooms in particular as a type of psychedelic are, have a tendency to bring up stuff in your subconscious for you to see and deal with, but also in a very playful way and in a way that um, inspires, like we said, a feeling of connectedness to something bigger, more beautiful, greater, loving. Um, And so I think it's something about 
being able to kind of bring back a sense of connection into the psyche where it may have been fractured. Um, and I think that applies to all the types of mental illnesses that we're talking about, right? So substance abuse always comes from a place of some part of my psyche I can't fully integrate it. Mm. Trauma is the same way. Something that happened to me, I can't fully allow it in to be a part of my full experience. Um, similar with depression and anxiety. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, the main, I guess, in magic ingredient in the mushrooms is that ability to kind of allow whatever is fractured to be weaved and sewed back in in a way that you now know what to do with it um, in a productive way. Mm. Yeah. Mm. As you're speaking, Bolidi, I'm just thinking like it's maybe taking people from this space where if we think about substance use, if we think about depression and anxiety mm. and trauma, there's a lot of numbing mm, mm, and there's mm. a lot of disconnect. Mm, so mm. there's a lot of I'm detaching from parts of myself. Mm -hmm. I have to numb parts or feelings because it's too overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And it's like it seems like the psychedelics somehow helps you to digest mm -hmm. those parts mm -hmm. and and it becomes a part of you that's more that you can connect with mm -hmm. and that you can mm -hmm. um, attach to again mm -hmm. and kind of integrate as okay, hi, you're a part of me. You can you, I, I can sit with you. Again. Yes. Yeah. 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 We can you're not as scary as I thought you were. Mm. You're actually useful to me and part of my growth, part of my journey. Um, but also just realizing, like I said earlier, some stuff you've just been carrying and you need to put down. Mm. And I think we underestimate just how difficult it is to surrender, to let go. It takes a kind of strength to unclench your fist from something that feels heavy, I want to say. Um, and I think this is the same way of saying the same thing, that psychedelics allow you to lift the thing that makes it scary so that you can really see the experience or the trauma or whatever for what it was mm. um, in a way that feels safe to take in. Yeah. Mm. But so uh, you, you've mentioned psychedelic-assisted therapy. Mm -hmm. Do you know of, of anything in South Africa that's moving towards that? that? <laughs> no. Hopefully me one day. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I've seen a retreat or two. One is called equanimity. Obviously, I want to say that the it's not only psychedelics mm -hmm. as plants that can help you kind of work through your mental health. The whole, um, all of nature really can help you in one way or another, herbs and things like that. But yeah, generally you'll find something that says um, plant medicine. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's not very common. Um, we're quite a conservative country. I think we've mm. always been um and I, I, I don't know if the HBCSA will kind of allow that to come mm. into play anytime so soon. But like you said, there, there are movements. There are laws being challenged. Um, one uh, um, podcast that's interesting um, is, I 
I think it's called the Psychonaut. And if you... The what? The Psychonaut. Okay. As in, like an astronaut, astronaut. but... Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Into um, the universe of your mind or whatever. Um, and it's a podcast created by... It was a UCT PhD student who was looking into a healing circle that used to happen in Cape Town by a lady who just, like a true rebel, decided she's going to host, um, they like ayahuasca mm. sessions, but it's mushrooms that she would have at her place, group sessions where people could come and kind of safely have the psychedelic or mushroom experience and have a guide through that um, so that it's not like too jarring an experience for someone who doesn't know what to expect. And um, she was, I don't remember her name, but she was a lady who kind of um, contributed to the legalization of weed at least, um, but is an integral part in pushing that kind of um, awareness and I want to say permission, I guess, to get to a place where it can be more widely used and things like that. So I think many people have seen already just the fact that we're even having this podcast, mm. um, but also in terms of TV and uh, movies and kind of, honestly, even social media. Um, there's a lot more, at least on the broader world scale, that's starting to open up and realize that these can be helpful substances and instead of being afraid of them what we need to do is learn more about how we can use them safely and in a way that is accessible to everyone mm. um yeah so there's been a lot of kind of revisiting of that old 60s 70s research and that's i think been a big part of what's been the resurgence of this kind of consideration between plant medicines and particularly psychedelics and mental health and yeah mm. i mentioned to you another space another place um that I'll, I'll also do some more research on mm -hmm. i think it's called lighthouse therapy mm -hmm. where they're doing ketamine mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. therapy so i think that that it's uh, there are places that's doing um that that's dabbling more into the mm -hmm. um alternative mm -hmm. methods of treatment mm -hmm. but obviously having to keep it within the legal limits of our country yeah but i think that the the important thing about that is obviously um and i have put a disclaimer at mm -hmm. the beginning of this in the intro as well that mm -hmm. we're, we're not encouraging people to mm -hmm. use psychedelics we're just here to share mm -hmm. some mm -hmm. information about it yeah um but i think it's so helpful if they can be professional spaces that can exist yeah. that can provide a, a, a safe and a, a professional environment for people yeah. to be able to use this mm -hmm. as opposed to not having that and then people end up using this at home mm -hmm. by themselves mm -hmm. and feeling maybe sometimes uncontained mm -hmm. not sure how to integrate this not sure what to do with it mm -hmm. so like the opposite is actually so much more harmful yeah, yeah. if there's not a space and, and like traveling to South America to have an ayahuasca trip is not necessarily something that's that's doable for yeah, people yeah. Um, and accessible and there's so many people that could actually benefit from it yeah 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 look I mean if you're not accustomed to trying to get mushrooms in this country 
you don't really want to, you know, it's not a comfortable experience to even know who to ask. It's not exactly like you can walk into the store. Um, And even that in itself is already influencing what kind of experience you'll have, right? Mm. Um, And so, like you're saying, it's important to be able to access safely and have information about what it is you're entering into. Because at the end of the day, it's your ability to be open to that experience that serves you the most. Um, and like I said earlier, that it's it's particularly your experience of safety that allows you to open up to the experience in a way that doesn't in itself feel traumatic. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think that's such an important point that you're bringing up, though. Mm-hmm. I wonder if some people feel traumatized by the experience because they weren't prepared for it. Mm. Or because because of everything else that comes with it, and and the stress of like I'm I'm doing something that I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Just that build up of anticipation. Then maybe having to actually um, mm-hmm. get the the mushrooms or the mm-hmm. psychedelics. All of those things mm-hmm. can can be very overwhelming. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, what is trauma? It's an experience you have that was too overwhelming for you to be able to fully integrate in the moment that it was happening, right? That can happen definitely with this kind of thing because it's such a sensory intense experience. You really want to create a setting that allows you to be at ease um, so that the kind of the good stuff about psychedelics, the the fun, the feeling, the sensation can come to you in a way that you're able to receive. At their very nature, psychedelics are opening agents. They open you up widely so that more stuff can come up, but also so that you can take in more. So if you're taking in a whole bunch of, and you don't know, and you weren't even prepared for that, that in itself is what creates trauma. As soon as the mind gets so powerfully overwhelmed, it shuts down. And that's the traumatic experience that happens of so much was happening and I couldn't even process it. Um, So 100%, I would never suggest going like hunting out for shrooms or (laughs) things like that particularly if we're talking about something like LSD it's not something you can like get from your weed dealer for example if they don't know about that kind of thing because that's a chemical compound Mm. made in a lab and so you want to be able to trace and track who did I get this from right and if something happens can I talk to about it? Who can I complain to? This regulation stuff I think mm. we're talking about. Um, and so something like LSD, DMT, things like that, if you don't even know what it is you're looking for, you don't want to end up with something that's not what people told you it was and it's doing something entirely mm. different um, and kind of allowing more awareness, more information, more I want to say structural acknowledgement, so legislation, but like things Mm -hmm. around um, legitimizing that whole process and experience Mm -hmm. that contributes to your ability to to have a full experience that in and of itself will start to kind of lead you towards healing um, and not kind of perpetuate feelings of trauma. Mm. Yeah, especially because I've, 
I think that's so important for me because we, when, we, when we're engaging something we don't know about, it's, it's always kind of a first impressions thing. If I don't like it the first time, I'm not likely to give it a chance again. And it's mm. the same with therapy, right? If someone has a first experience that's bad, mm, they'd be less willing to try it again. Um, and, and that in particular is why I think it's so important to have kind of safe channels to access experience and integrate that process. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think like if anything, um, this discussion just really <laughs> cements for me mm-hmm. the fact that we need to l- have so much more research done mm-hmm. about this, so much more evidence that it's something that that's really beneficial for people Mm -hmm. so that there's a regulatory body, so Mm -hmm. that there are guidelines Mm -hmm. to where these things are sourced, Mm -hmm. how it's administered, what people experience. And and like a a lot of structure can make it so much more useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, What's your thoughts on microdosing? Because that's Mm -hmm. also a... I want to say like a, a thing, a thing yeah. that people often refer to and, yeah. and a lot of people will be on the microdosing train. Yeah, yeah. What's the purpose of that versus having a full psychedelic experience? So I think the first thing that comes to mind is microdosing allows you to be functional in your day. Um, think of a day when your mood's just good you're elevated you have no problems you're getting through your stuff um you're feeling a little playful and fun um microdosing can create that effect it it it, for a lot of people makes day-to-day life um not only manageable but they feel less worn down by the mundane reality that they experience so at the lowest dose for example shrooms um yeah, you just kind of feel more attuned to your internal and body experience. You're able to kind of feel your feelings and feel in feel your body as you're living in it. Um, yeah, and it, it it makes things nice. <laughs> <laughs> just puts a nice flavor. Yeah, on it. it just puts a nice little twist on everything. Um, and obviously, like I said, makes you more attuned and sensitive to your inner experience and your immediate external experience. Um, But I think a lot of people use microdosing to kind of take off the edge of um, depressive symptoms, anxiety symptoms, um, which often make it tough to kind of engage reality as it is. Um, Yeah. The full body high of any psychedelic is something that requires time, space, and intention. Um, And that depends, of course, on the dosage that you're taking. Mm. Yeah. I think that 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 is the the kind of next question. And I I guess that that's also what's what's so daunting about Mm. psychedelics at the stage is it feels like you're dabbling with something that you're not Mm. sure of. Mm. And and it's something that a lot of people, and luckily there's so much more information now, mm-hmm. um, and there's documentaries and mm. everything that's sharing. But I think that 
it's that whole unknown and that mm. uncertainty, mm. which again, I'm hoping that they'll become mm. spaces where the uncertainty can be put aside mm, mm, mm. so that individuals can just have the experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but when should you not be using psychedelics or maybe some of the risk factors? That, yeah, I think involved? that's a great place to start. Um, when should you not be using psychedelics? Look, if you're having any kind of um, non-reality-based experience prior to using psychedelics. So I'm talking here about any kind of psychotic breaks, any kind of schizophrenic history in your family, not just you. Um, I would suggest staying away or otherwise doing it with a guide mm. who probably has access to like a psychiatrist or a doctor or something to make sure that at the end of the day, you want to kind of come out of the experience more whole, not more fractured. Mm. Um so that's kind of the main thing, right? Um, I also want to say, so if you're a first-time trier of psychedelics, you want to be in a good emotional space to go there. Because like I said, psychedelics will bring up whatever is in there, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're already in a kind of dark space, um, they have the potential to magnify that. Um, and if you are going into that with healing intention, um, then that's cool. But I would not suggest that as a first time try. You you want to have a good experience. You want to know what's good about them. You don't want to kind of traumatize yourself while you're trying mm -hmm. this thing. Um, so as a first time experience, I would say you want to be in a good emotional space in your life. Like you feel good about your life. Um I think one of the common questions that people ask is like, can I overdose on psychedelics? And not in the sense that you can have a heart attack or, you know, the kind of overdosing consequences you get, say, with mm. alcohol or the more harder drugs, I want to say. But you can make it so that the high isn't as pleasant anymore. Um, will your brain break? No. But there are rules. So, for example, with LSD, it's not all of these psychedelics aren't really. Except, I don't know if you count weed as a psychedelic. I guess that's something that people take more frequently, and the the only side effect is that maybe you'll be a bit of a pothead. <laughs> <laughs> Very <laughs> slow. Very slow. You know. Um, with LSD, for example, you want to have at least a twenty-two hour gap between highs but uh, because it puts your brain through a lot to be that psychoactive right um and you can fry your brain in that way in the sense that you're just like there and you're not fully able to process for a long time because your brain is recovering right um have to do more research i don't know if you can kind of like crack someone's brain with that um, but usually the idea is that if that were a possibility it's because there was already a kind of history of mm. schizophrenia or psychosis that wasn't revealed for whatever reason um, shrooms as well shrooms the higher the dosage the longer the high right because it's something that your system has to digest. Um, and 
it's nice to be a certain level of high for a certain period of time. It's not nice to be high for too long yeah. beyond your comfort. Um, and so that's the kind of overdose you could mm. experience of just being too high to function for too long than you had anticipated. But you'll always be able to kind of come back down and it'll be a trip of a lifetime. <laughs> but I don't know that you want to yeah. try that yeah. Um, again. Yeah. Um, so those are the risks that I can think of. I, I, I don't know much about DMT or ketamine. I know ayahuasca works a little bit like shrooms, for example. They're the same kind of chemical compound. I, I guess that that's the the difficulty is mm-hmm. um, accessing something that's not accessible mm-hmm. yet in mm-hmm. our country. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's scary. Mm-hmm. It, you you don't know, and and like I I guess that even ethically, that's part of the the push and pull. Even mm-hmm. with this discussion, is mm-hmm. we we trying to just give information, but then at the same time you're going like I don't want anyone to get into trouble. Yeah. I don't want people to feel like. Yes, after this, I'm going to give it a yeah. go. And then it's something that's really not in, in their best yeah. interest. It's yeah. also like, um, I think it's just about people really realizing um, the intensity mm-hmm. of, of what they mm-hmm. letting themselves in Into. for. Mm-hmm. But then the intention that they're doing that with. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like the biggest risk for from my perspective, mm-hmm. outside of getting arrested and all of those things. Yeah are that you you don't want to traumatize yourself mm-hmm. and anything that's so intense and so prolonged mm-hmm. has the potential to really be too much so mm-hmm. i can imagine just even like if you have to be in therapy for a week every day the whole day mm-hmm. you're going to feel really like just overwhelmed, overwhelmed mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. going to be too much mm-hmm. although it's a safe space and mm-hmm. although it's like i think a lot of people even being admitted to a psychiatric clinic yeah. for 21 days after that you feel Kind of like I need to have a yeah. month to just process everything. Yeah. And so you don't want to have too much to process that mm-hmm. you almost waste that mm-hmm. whole experience because mm-hmm. you've just overloaded yourself so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then you kind of put yourself off to it. Um, and like we're saying, it's something that has the potential to be really helpful where you're stuck you know, where you're struggling to kind of get into the root of things and unlock that. Um, so you don't want to kind of put yourself off to something that could be potentially helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and you always want to edge your way into the, like you would do with any new experience. You want to kind of dip a toe, then your whole foot, then maybe walk in. Don't kind of, what do they call those things? A cannonball into the freaking mm. experience because... Um, because you could really kind of put yourself in a space where you have a lot of integration work to do, which you don't, you want to have the experience so you can have a little less therapy, not like 20 no. times more, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. But I do, I'll say the, the, the person in me that knows that this can be a, pot- I mean, for a lot of people, this can be a potentially life-changing experience Mm. right because sometimes you can you can talk to death about something in therapy and everyone has the best of intentions to kind of getting to the root of this thing and unlocking it but sometimes words just aren't enough 
right? Sometimes the experience is the thing that helps your body release whatever it's holding on to. Even if you're, and this is what we're talking about, that you can have insight about something, right? But if it doesn't move you into doing something about it, it's a little bit torturous to have all that awareness and (laughs) nothing to do with it. And I think that's what you're saying about having like a whole week of intense therapy, just bringing up all this insight, but there's no time to kind of bring it back in to a point of integration, to a point of now that I see this, what can I do with it? How is it a tool to me? in where I want to go with my life or whatever I'm doing. Um, yeah. My other question that I'm thinking of, um, Valeria, is, is it kind of, um, I want to say, is it a lifestyle mm-hmm. um, that you kind of integrate with a whole bunch of other things? Mm-hmm. Or, and, and maybe it doesn't have to be either or, but I have I want to kind of put it against is it something that, that I use once off and I go on with my life? And, mm-hmm. and, and what makes me think of that is I always um, really admire yogis, mm. for example. Mm. But I can't just do yoga and then be a yogi. Mm-hmm. Yo- being a yogi is I, I practice mindfulness mm-hmm. and I, I'm very thoughtful of what I eat mm-hmm. and I, I'm thoughtful of my whole body experience. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so... I'm wondering what else kind of goes with mm-hmm. the psychedelic mm-hmm. experience or what are things that can potentially help with this whole full body mm-hmm. experience? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so, and I think it, well, if you talk to anyone really, not everyone does it, but there's a process of readying the body for having that experience. So kind of like... um when you're preparing your body to go on a fast, mm. you know, kind of making sure it's got all its nutrients and kind of starting to taper down the meat and the protein and so on, um, you, you can definitely and are encouraged if you're doing it holistically um, to do that. And and that for me kind of points to some lifestyle stuff around where you kind of need to be functioning at or aiming to function at in terms of caring for yourself to get the most out of that experience um yeah you I don't know how well I guess you know it's in you it's in you but you get a a more a better quality experience the better you feel about your body and the better you feel about your life circumstance um and you don't really think that that's something that will influence you until you're in it. And all you're thinking about is how terrible my life is and, you know, all of that. I mean, eventually, um, like I said, one thing I always say is that shrooms are very playful plant allies. Um, you you experience that in the high. You're very giggly. You're very playful. You're very emotional at the same time. But there's a there's a kind of lightness in there. Um, and that comes more through when you feel good about where you're at in your life circumstance, but also are able to feel good in your body. So for me, that says that you, it helps to kind of have a kind of relationship with your body and your life that feels good to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a necessity? No. Obviously, people do whatever they want. <laughs> 
And so um, people will take the shrooms in any kind of state. But I want to say that it's always, you know, it's always important to think of psychedelics as like a person walking into a room, right? You're the room. You and your life are the room. And you want to kind of think about if I'm taking this, what kind of, what kind of space or atmosphere am I introducing this very powerful substance into? The cleaner the room, the prettier it is, the more pretty and beautiful the high. Even if you're like crying your eyes out, it feels good. It's like, you know, at least my floor is clean, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> but if you are introducing this guest, this visitor who's here to teach you, into a space that's full of stuff that you're not really wanting to look at, but you also know they're not so good for you. It's it's hard to see things so vividly that you've been turning away from for a long time, you know? So it definitely helps if you are already in relationship with, I want to say your shadow self, your subconscious, the stuff mm. that's like not so pretty to look at. If you're already building a relationship with that stuff, then the shroom experiences only adds to that, right? Makes it more meaningful, helps you kind of gain even deeper insight and wisdom. But the insight and wisdom that's available to you to access is based on the kind of setting that you bring that substance into. Um, is it a once-off? I think it depends on who you are as a person and what you like out of life. Some people have the experience once, it's meaningful, and they never look back because it's also not something that, not how they play, <laughs> Yeah, I want to say. Some people use it a little bit more with um, a blend of... Uh, recreationality don't know if that's a word and <laughs> and healing um, and then of course some people use it to enhance their creativity um, so you'll find a lot of obviously artists and musicians and things because it excuse me heightens your sensory experience um, helps musicians for example compose helps artists for example see into the canvas what they wouldn't have been able to see without that heightened sensory experience or mm -hmm. well, I mean most of that's just projecting inside what's on onto the canvas um but yeah so I think how how shrooms or any psychedelic substance fits into your life and how long it stays there is really dependent on who you are what you like but also what you're willing to do to get into a real um substantial relationship with yourself you know mm. yeah i think the the example of the room is is really a good one <laughs> i think it's really it, it makes it a tangible thing mm, 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 um mm. to also really think of what kind of room you want to have that experience in mm -hmm. and and what that room is gonna um yeah bring out and and mm. how it's gonna make you feel mm. like i i love that that example <laughs> yeah. um but lady, I'm I'm just thinking, like I have one or two more things that mm -hmm. I want us to just touch on, mm -hmm. um, and the one is, as a so I've I've also done some, as I say, just some listening yeah. to people mm -hmm. about psychedelics, and there's a lot of, um, 
scientific like there's there's I've listened to the Huberman lab where mm. um the I think his name is Andrew Huberman. Mm. He's a neuroscientist. Mm-hmm. And like they talk about very much about the science of psychedelics mm. and how that works mm. and dopamine and serotonin and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of evidence for mm-hmm. it. But from a psychologist's point of view, mm-hmm. I always have this question and I've always, maybe it's my my own kind of fear of letting mm-hmm. go of control mm-hmm. and, and maybe um, things around that. But, I've always had this question, even with hypnotherapy, mm-hmm. if our defenses are there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder what it means if we have defenses and we're saying, so because of these defenses, I can't move into my subconscious mm-hmm. or things that's maybe a, a bit below the conscious mind, which I need to access to work on my depression or anxiety mm. or trauma, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going for hypnotherapy mm-hmm. or I'm doing psychedelics, mm-hmm. which are breaking that mm. down. Mm-hmm. Like, I know I'm, I'm not really asking anything, <laughs> but, but I'm thinking, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. what does that mean mm-hmm. to take something away yeah. that from a psychological point of view is also mm-hmm. protecting us? Yeah. So one of the things I'm thinking about is, I mean, defenses, are they to protect us? But defenses always usually come because something's happened and we feel like we need to put a wall up against that. Mm. Um, defenses can also be dysfunctional. Sure, I know, yeah. Like they're yeah. not always healthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but I think for me... It's always important to see what's behind the wall, right? And and I think in a way that's what we do as psychologists, right? People come to us because they're struggling to look at something and are needing that kind of support to to see it and needing help to see it and feeling held in that moment. And I think... Um, one thing that I like about psychedelics is that they make that defense mechanism a bit more malleable, mm-hmm. right? Um, as opposed to what makes defense mechanisms dysfunctional is their rigidity, their inability to help you actually access fulfillment, right? And sometimes that fulfillment is behind the wall that um, has been reinforced so much and you can sense that if you get behind that, that that's where the fulfillment is. That's where the pearl in the oyster is, right? Um, but you have to be willing to crack open the oyster, mm. um, even if you're not going for the pearl, just to simply have a better, a more holistic understanding of who you are. Right. And and I think the best way I can kind of explain it is. Yeah, you don't need to know what you look like from the back, <laughs> but it helps to have a 360 view yeah. of yourself because that helps you kind of locate yourself in space and understand how it is you can get some of your needs met. Um, but I will say I, sh- I share the same sentiment, like if this was a conversation about 
nurses, I probably would be like, I agree. Why do you need to go back there? It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it comes back to that kind of sense of losing control, right? Um, and I think that frightens us all. And it's part of the reason why we even have defenses is that fear that will sink into a place that we kind of can't pull ourselves out of or um, it's traumatic in itself to feel like you don't have an ability to influence or or manage your circumstances. Um, yeah, but sometimes it's it's the defense that mm. keeps you from being able to kind of gain that sense of connectedness enough to feel like even if you, you're not ever really controlling everything, the illusion that you're controlling it feels really nice. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I guess that's also why certain personalities mm. will, will be open to using psychedelics mm -hmm. and why other people just won't. It's mm -hmm. the, it's kind of like where you are on the spectrum of control mm -hmm. and the mm -hmm. need for control yeah. that will, will determine that most probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that that's part of why it's just really important that you find some space, mm -hmm. whether that's in therapy mm -hmm. or with a, a guide or um, with even with a friend that's a soundboard, but mm -hmm. not just kind of like, well, we're just going to talk on, the, on yeah. the surface level or with journaling. Yeah. Like you need to have some space to really make sense of these things mm -hmm. because it is it's a very sacred space to yeah. get into where yeah. you, you are letting go of your defenses mm -hmm. and you are allowing yourself to have these experiences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think if anything, isn't that, that's all of it, right? It's always about coming back to yourself, coming home to yourself um, and finding what helps you do that in a way that feels like a renewal to you, right? Um, if that's journaling, great. If that's therapy, great. But it is about finding something that, that works for you, whatever that is. And obviously doing that in a way that's safe, in a way that allows you to experience that sacred part of yourself um, without judgment um, and more instead with a sense of inspiration. Mm. Yeah. Mm. What resources do you have that, that you can share with people if they, if they feel like they need to know more yeah. or they just want to get a bit of an understanding podcasts or mm. like documentaries, mm -hmm. anything that, that you can suggest people have a look at. Yeah, so sure. One thing we love about Netflix is that <laughs> <laughs> they have a documentary for everything. And um, one of the newer ones that's come out is called How to Change Your Mind, which is a documentary version of a book written by, I forgot his name, but he's like the godfather of mushrooms. Okay. At least in America. But and, and, and their healing ability. Um, and what I like about him and potentially the book is that he talks about not just psychedelic mushrooms, but all mushrooms, um, just the whole fungi universe and how um, different types of mushrooms, even though they don't have a psychedelic effect, have very strong um, regenerative power so for example something like lion's mane as a mushroom can really help kind of repair 
uh, your neural connections in your brain. And that's something he had mentioned that he used to kind of give his mother a like regimen of lion's mane. And she struggled with Alzheimer's and was able to recover, if I'm not mistaken, um, when doctors were saying no. So how to change your mind, either in book format or in documentary format. Um, It's on Netflix. What else? Um, The Goop Lab. Yes. (laughs) With uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. I think it's the very first episode. I mean, you can watch the whole um, uh, doc series, but the first episode in particular speaks about um, psychedelics and they kind of even show an experience of that the group lab team having their own experience and talking to that. Um, And you also get to see what a group psychedelic assisted therapy session looks like in that. Um, And I think that's a good place to kind of look. The podcast, The Psychonaut, is something I mentioned already. Mm. I think you can just Google that. Um, It's got its own like web page. And if you're into podcasts, that's I think a... I remember correctly, like an eight, maybe 12 episode podcast. And it's really great because it walks you through the history of um, psychedelics and legislation within South Africa, the work that's being done. But also if you're an academic yourself, it's nice to hear someone who was studying in that area kind of talk you through the research they were finding um they also with each episode have have given a reference list of the resources that they used to create that episode which is nice if that's something you like are looking for academic reading material in that area um yeah i think those are pretty good resources as a learning more um, and and getting an entry-level experience into what are people saying about it, what are different types of um, psychedelics and Mm. how do they differ in their highs and things like that and the kind of experience they can offer each person. Um, Yeah. I think it is important that you, you... Find resources that's digestible. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. not too much. Um, like, uh, and I think that those three examples mm-hmm, are great. Mm-hmm. That it's not something that that overwhelms you too much. But mm-hmm. also, we don't want to be like learning from a, a drug addict, <laughs> yeah. um, if if I can call it that. Yeah. Like, because that that doesn't feel safe, right? Yeah. If yeah, it's someone yeah. that that we feel like mm-hmm. this person is just talking from mm-hmm. their own experience. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, like they're just trying out everything and anything yeah, and yeah. kind of just going, well, this this might yeah. work for you or not. We want to have credible sources. Mm-hmm. We want to have spaces that we can feel mm-hmm. we can trust this information. So, yeah, 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 yeah. No, definitely. I mean, isn't that always the thing that influences people, the person behind the information? Mm. Um, I, do, I, I don't know that it's entirely bad to look Chances are half the people listening to this know somebody who's done some yes. sort of psychedelic. And I think it, it there's a sense of comfort speaking to someone who you know personally that has gone through that experience and has whatever anecdote they have to give you about it. Um, I find that there's something grounding about that, even if their story isn't the best story. Um, but I 100% agree 
don't rely only on whoever you know or whatever people are saying on YouTube or whatever else. Yeah. Um, look to sources that you feel safe to trust in and don't have to second guess. Um, but I think, yeah, like uh, like I said, Netflix actually has quite a lot of, st- and recently actually, there's a lot of stuff on, on that and it, and that's the most accessible place. Um, and it, it obviously talks to researchers in that area of work and um, researchers who have their own experiences as well. So I would definitely say maybe have a psychedelic Netflix weekend. That is to say, watch shows about not, yeah, yeah. Not take watch. Yeah. yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much, Belady. Do you have any any kind of closing thoughts, anything that you feel are just on your heart with regards to this mm-hmm. topic that you want to end off with? Um, I think, yeah, if you are considering... Right, I think take into account some of the things we've said about just being safe. It can be a really fun experience, but you want to be able to track where you sourced it from, even if it's through a line of people you know. You really don't want to engage with someone that you have no connection to because if something happens, you want to be able to trace it back. Um, but also, as much as we're putting a lot of caution around this, don't be scared. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just to kind of emphasize a sense of caution. Um, and like we said, to give you more information about different ways to think about your healing, even if it's not psychedelics. It's, it's more about knowing that there are different options around how to get around whatever problem it is that you're struggling with. And if anything, it's to promote a kind of creativity in your problem solving. If one thing's not working, keep researching, keep looking, keep searching until you find something that does work for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I think that uh, just just a closing thought from me, um, and it might seem like I'm putting so much red tape around it the whole time. Um, but I think it's it's because it's something to be um, responsible with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're responsible with it, it seems to be something that can be really meaningful. <laughs> and so it's it's like this, yeah, the, this package deal mm, um, mm, mm. That, it, that it comes with. No, 100%. Um, you want to yeah. treat it like the sacred experience that it is right i think some i think we live in a society that that has led us to believe that fun means reckless yes yes 100% but fun can be intimate fun can be sacred fun can be respectful Mm. right so if anything the the, my final sign off is respect the psychedelics it doesn't really matter what psychedelics whether it's as light as just like um little bit of weed or something a little bit more intense respect the experience um go in with i want to say almost a kind of reverent energy um because i think that's kind of what gives you the most yield out of it yeah thanks so much Bulleri. thanks (laughs) for your time i really appreciate it i think that it's very informative and i hope that a lot of people can find just some food for thought um, after listening to this I definitely have some yeah no thank you for having me 
and it was fun yeah this is a topic i love to talk about um and like you're saying i think i i i hope everyone just kind of gives it a bit of reflection um and see what this information teaches them about themselves Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to follow or subscribe on your desired platform. I will be so grateful if you're willing to take the time to rate this podcast so that you can continue to learn more about various topics related to your mental health and well-being. 